Journey to Real Vision, Know Your Worth series, podcast 109, June 2023. This episode is How Sleep Affects Your Self-Worth. Are you struggling to get enough sleep each night? This month, I have one co-host, very special co-host. Everybody knows I usually have two, but I'm going to introduce you to Heather Wolcott in a few moments. You're going to be absolutely blown away. I attended a workshop, what was it, about a month and a half ago, and literally flies could have flown in my mouth. My mouth was open so much. Um, I learned so much about sleep. The one thing I will tell you is I hear this every single session with clients. Sleep is an issue. Anxiety is keeping them up. You know, pressure. A lot of people don't have a job. Stress. I mean, just worry, doubt. There's so many things that are just keeping people from sleeping. So it actually is the number one issue that I'm finding right now in coaching sessions. It comes up a lot. And what a lot of people don't realize is, everybody knows this is a Know Your Worth series, but sleep does affect your self-worth so much. And they're an unlikely duo that's affecting your life. And I want to dedicate this entire podcast to the subject of sleep and self-worth because sleep is crucial. And when it comes to your own value, self-image, and your worth, and a lot of you are probably like, well, how does sleep kind of fit in? Well, we're going to get into that. So we're going to break this down to three sections. One is how sleep works. You know, we're going to talk about why we sleep, the stages of sleep, and Heather's just going to break down and just really kind of outline that. Then we're going to move into domino of wellness. We're going to talk about sleep in your health, especially mental health, physical health, And then the last section is, I'm not trying to be funny, but stop snoozing your way through life. Um, We're going to discuss sleep deprivation as well as sleep optimization. So, you know, I knew with this audience, it gets bigger and bigger each month. And I can't answer questions when I'm in, you know, sessions about sleep because I'm not a sleep expert. So I was like, this is such a perfect timing, Heather. So I'm going to just go ahead and let Heather introduce herself. And I know you guys are going to be blown away. So Heather. Oh, well, first of all, Chris, thank you. This is very welcome. I can't even explain the honor that this Mm. is. So this is um, a privilege and I'm, I'm thrilled. I could talk about sleep for quite a long time. So it's a good thing you have a timer. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So my name is Heather Walcott. I am a national board certified health and wellness coach. I am an ADAPT certified functional health coach through the Cresser Institute. So if anyone knows Chris Cresser, that is his program. He's phenomenal. And I've been a practicing holistic nutritionist for over 20 years. And when I say I'm a holistic nutritionist, I think people think I just talk about food and I tell them what they're going to eat and what not to eat. And over the course of a couple of decades, that has evolved into how you move Mm -hmm. and how you um, perceive your stress and how you sleep or how you don't sleep. And so my expertise, I would say, is in the four pillars of health. And so sleep, I kind of put as the first pillar because it really is your frontline defense. We do talk about stress. I talk a lot about stress with my clients and then movement and nutrition. And I almost like to keep those last because mm-hmm. I think the first two really embody the whole picture of wellness. Yep. And you can eat and move well and do those things, you know, according to how you're supposed to. But if you're not sleeping well, right. and if you're, and I don't like using the word managing stress. I like referring to how you're perceiving your stress, because I think it's something that we don't necessarily have to manage. I think it's something that we have to change our language around absolutely, and address. 
And so if I can get those two things dialed in with my clients, usually the movement and the nutrition fall into place and then they overall really reach their goals and have success. Agree. So yeah, I could talk about sleep probably more about food and I can talk about food for days, <laughs> but sleep is a lot of, is a lot of fun. And you know, the thing is with both of those, everyone sleeps and everyone eats, but sleep is something that like we can fast, but we can't live long without. Sleep. Oh yeah. So it is very important. It touches every aspect of our health. So I'm excited to dive into this with you, Chris. So there was something that came up and I, and before you like kind of go through the stages of sleep, this was something that popped up. I'm not kidding you. Three sessions yesterday that I had about this myth that you can catch up on your sleep. And I didn't answer that. And I'm like, you got to wait, wait till next week when the podcast comes out, because I wanted to touch upon this. And this was something that I could not believe three different people, three Mm. different sessions were talking about, can you catch up on your sleep? So can we kind of tackle that first? I love that. Yes. Um, I thought we could catch up on our sleep until I really started diving into the research. Sleep isn't a bank. We can't put sleep into an account and then pull it out when we like if we're traveling or if we have a deadline. It doesn't work that way. And the reason it doesn't work that way is because it's on the circadian clock, which is a 24 hour cycle. It's not a spectrum. So if if it was a spectrum, then there'd be a little bit more of an ebb and flow. But it really is a 24 hour clock between cortisol and melatonin and those two hormones and when they're um, at their peaks in our in our system. So we can't borrow more cortisol to bring into the next day, and we can't pull in more melatonin to give us a buffer going forward. So we all do it. And I I mean, hopefully my kids will never listen to this because I do tell them, like, (laughs) you need to catch up on your sleep when I know I'm lying to them. (laughs) But it, it sounds good. And I think there are times in our lives where we feel like we are catching up because we sleep three extra, you know, three extra hours or we just feel like I just needed a, I needed to sleep longer. Mm-hmm. And that is true. It's just, it's not a bank system. So right. you really aren't catching up. And you know what? If you have one bad night of sleep, move on. You had a bad night of sleep. Right. You need to just look at the next cycle. So you didn't sleep great last night. The more you obsess about it, the harder it's going to be to sleep the next day. So if you can just kind of get past it, accept it, it is what it is manage your day accordingly, do what you need to do to support yourself, to have energy, and then look at the next day as like the next 24 hour clock. Is that helpful? That makes a lot of sense because I will tell you that I had to take care of my mother on hospice. And I did this about four years ago and it was the most grueling thing I'd ever been through emotionally, physically, mentally. And I was for like six months, like two hours sleep a night. And I remember my body literally crashing like right after she had passed away. And to this day, I'm talking five years later, I still don't have a proper sleep cycle back. So, Mm. you know, are there moments when something traumatic like that happens where we can experience like getting back on track? I mean, is there such a thing as getting back on track? Yes, a hundred percent. And that's why you can't let you know, a bad day or a bad night of sleep or maybe a bad decade of sleep. I mean, I went through a period of my life for almost 20 years where I got up around 3.15 every single morning. Actually, my alarm was set for 3.17 and I got up and I taught a 5 a.m. spin class. And I did that for decades. And my sleep was not optimal because I was hijacking so much of that REM sleep that you get in the early morning. Mm -hmm. But I'm alive today and I'm fine and I've recalibrated and I've 
you know, I've course corrected. So if you're able to, like you are right now, you are on a journey to get back on track and right. try to find that sweet spot for your sleep right. and what, you know, what things do you need to put into place? What strategies are going to help you because you spend a lot of time in sleep deprivation. Yeah. So yes, there is always hope. I don't think there's a really a situation in life. I really believe this, Chris. Yeah where you can't squeak out a bit of hope. I think there's hope in every situation. And when people are really struggling with sleep and they stress over their sleep and I, insomnia is a nasty thing. Yeah. I am privileged and blessed to not experience that in any kind of chronic way. When I have had bouts of, you know, a couple nights where I just can't sleep, I can't imagine that being my life. And so I, I do empathize with those people. But there's always hope. There's always a way to counteract that or balance it or or find ways to support that. So, yeah, yeah I think Agree. in in this conversation right here, even that we're having and you listening to my webinar, you know, you're you're learning and you're just still yeah. building on your sleep routine. And so I believe we can always move forward. Yeah, I agree as well. You know, it's funny before this podcast, we were talking about, you know, where are we going to talk about this part this section? And so in the last section, we're going to talk a bit more about sleep deprivation. And then there's something about, I want y'all to get excited. We're going to talk about something about timers. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of talk about the stages of sleep, like especially stress is another thing. I mean, so many people are talking about stress right now as well. It is affecting the sleep, but kind of go through that, you know, stages of sleep, what people can expect, you know, especially okay. if they're facing that stress. Yeah. So I'm just going to give a very light yeah. overview. Yeah. We really have sleep broken down into REM and non-REM. And a lot of people are familiar with that. So those are kind of like the two like bigger stages. And, and within those are the smaller ones. So, you know, we have, you know, they're very cleverly called stage one, stage two, stage three, <laughs> stage four, and then stage five is REM. Um, your lightest sleep is your first few minutes, the first one to seven minutes when you get in bed, you are actually in light sleep, but you think you're awake, but you're asleep and you're not really quite sure. That's just stage one. It's a very, very short amount of time. Then you move into stage two, which is also light sleep. And this is something that most people don't understand. We spend about 50% of our total sleep in light sleep. So we think light Hmm. sleep is bad. It's about 50% of our total sleep because we're cycling through these. Your eyes stop moving and your heart rate slows down a bit and you start to relax. And that kind of feeds you into stages three and four, which would be your deep sleep. And that's the low frequency, high amplitude fluctuations called the delta waves. Right. So that's the delta sleep. So stages three and four kind of get clumped together. That's where a lot of restorative things are happening in the body. There's a something called the glymphatic system, which is... Um, kind of, for a lack of a better term, the sewage system of our brain, <laughs> we have to clean that out. And so there mm-hmm. is a a clearing and a cleaning that happens through the glymphatic system. We have a lymphatic system in our body, which also supports you know, the immune system. And we also have that in the brain with the glial cells. Right. So that has to happen in that stage of sleep. You spend the most time in deep sleep during the first half of the night, which is really interesting. Our sleep cycles are 90 minutes. But each of those little minor, like the smaller stages, one through four, and it's up to five, those increments change. So in the first half of your sleep, you have more of the deep sleep. The second half of your sleep, you get into more of the stages are dedicated to the REM. And the and the REM is when we're dreaming. Right. So when you wake up in the morning, you often will remember your dreams because that was the bigger part of your sleep cycle. Makes sense. Um, you can't, you, we're, we're dreaming throughout the whole night, but our, we're going to spend more time dreaming in the REM stages towards the end. 
Yeah, I mean, that's kind of it. That's the basic overview. Those cycles are about 90 minutes. So if you, you know, want to just pull out like a nap, if you're going to nap, you really want that to be less than 30 minutes or 90 minutes Mm -hmm. because of how those sleep stages and those cycles work. If you sleep for like 40 minutes, sometimes you wake up and you feel worse than before you tried to nap. So that's just a little pro tip put in here early. If you're a napper, a 20 minute, 30 minute nap, good. 90 minute nap, good. Anything in between, you might feel a little wonky when you wake up. (laughs) Yeah. I've I've been wonky many times. Yeah. Um, there's something that you said that was really interesting that I wanted to tie in. So you're talking about the restoration, the clear clearing and the cleaning. One of the biggest things that I'm an advocate for is journaling. Mm-hmm. And it's actually week one of my Discovery X program is how beneficial journaling is because I really do firmly believe this, and I want to get your thoughts on this and your opinion. Dump it all out before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just don't go to bed reliving, rehashing, especially in your subconscious mind, what happened that day, especially the negativity, because what happens? It becomes ingrained. It gets trapped in your body. And really, stress, it can be regulated by our emotional response to things instead of reacting, responding. And I know a lot of my clients are probably like, there she goes again, talking about respond versus react. But Amen, sister. We go to bed worried about things. And I tell people, please journal right before bedtime. Allow yourself to get it out. I mean, that to me is what affecting so many people sleep. So am I like right on target with You're that? Right You're right on target. Research shows that people who journal fall asleep 50% faster. So there's mm-hmm. a latency issue to that. Now, latency is how long it takes you to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. I have an aura ring. I love my aura ring. It tells me all the things I'd like to know. And often my latency is like three minutes. And that's actually, it, it like it docks me for that. <laughs> I don't get like <laughs> stars for falling asleep in three minutes. Appropriate latency is maybe like 10 to 15 minutes. And it's natural to take, you know, 10 to 15 minutes to really fall asleep. That's mm-hmm. natural. You're going from like standing up, moving, brushing your teeth, doing things to lying flat. You really shouldn't fall asleep in right. three minutes like I do. Um, I don't always, it's not always three minutes, but um, but people who journal is research that that latency. So maybe if they hadn't journaled, they'd be lying in bed for 30 or 45 minutes, right. just lying there doing exactly what you just said, going through the day, you know, repeating the conversations, all those mm-hmm. echo chambers in their head. And what I always say to my clients is that we, we have issues in our tissues, we store oh. issues in our tissues and there are lots of ways to deal with that. You know, that's why movement can make people emotional. That's why release and massage, uh-huh. because that is being brought out. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I really believe like what you're saying, Chris, if you can journal and just dump that onto a piece of paper that doesn't go to bed with you, yes, it makes such a positive impact. And I don't Absolutely. know, there's a lot of unknown unknowingness, I guess, around dreaming. Dreaming is one of those that they really people have a hard time really cracking the code on and REM sleep is a really mm-hmm. interesting stage of sleep. But I do believe that I think if you can journal and get that stuff out on a piece of paper, it would affect your dream cycles because it's already been processed in a different way. I mean, I'm just yeah. speculating, but I would think there'd be something to that. Or I would think you would have more positive dreams. Or a healthier dream around the content of what happened during the day. Yeah, Because I've had people say, oh, I've woken up and I'm in a deep sweat and Mm -hmm. I'm like panicking. And and they're like, I don't even remember what Mm -hmm. I was dreaming about. But they know they were dreaming, but they went to bed 
stressed out, burned mm-hmm. out, exhausted. They didn't let it go. Didn't let it go. And that's, you know, thoughts and emotions are, I can talk about thoughts and emotions all day too. <laughs> like you can talk about food and sleep, but it, it just impacts us so much. But let's kind of move on sure. into the second area. Um, because I think the second and third areas, we're really going to kind of get a little bit more deeper into it, especially... I don't know where I came up with Domino of Wellness, but- um, Oh, I think from my webinar. Okay, that's probably where it was. Because um, <laughs> I had the dominoes. As, that's what it was. Yeah. I was thinking the other day, I was like, where did that come You're from? You're just as smart as I am. <laughs> no. <laughs> but this section is so important because mental health, so many people have issues with mental health, especially after COVID. Now we're going through a recession, so many people being laid off. But you know, mental health, they think of mindset, I think of brain activity- and then, of course, physical health is your exercise and your nutrition. But correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not the expert, but sleep. We talked about your brain repairing itself. You know, part of my Discovery X program is learning to create new neural pathways. Mm-hmm. You know, letting your brain store more positive mm-hmm. emotions, more yeah. positive experiences. And it's miraculous if you think about it. You know, our brain's a muscle, right? It can get stronger. It can grow. And I tell people, I use this analogy all the time, and I would love to know your thought on this. We get in this frenzy when our phones are down to like 20% or, you know, Amanda, Amanda Baker, shout out, girlfriend. Hey, Amanda. Her um, laptop was out of juice and she was like, oh my God, I got to find my cord and everything. So then we got into the conversation of why can't we do that for ourselves? Mm, mm-hmm. Why can't we recharge ourselves? Why can't we allow us to replenish our batteries? Mm-hmm. And what a great time to do that. And sleep time, right? That's kind of what it's for. That's what it's for. (laughs) So, you know, we allow ourselves to walk around operating on 10% and Mm. thinking that's okay, but we'll freak out if our phones are below 60, 50% or our laptops. You know, what are your thoughts on that? I would Mm. love to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, I I love the analogy of the battery and the (laughs) cell phone and the laptop because um, that's truth. Mm-hmm. You know, you see the you see the yellow on the battery, and you're like, mm-hmm. "Oh crap! What do I still have left to do to before my phone dies?" And we're yeah we're scrambling for the for the yep. charger. And then yeah, how do we make that a metaphor for ourselves and for our lives? Um, and I would say sleep is designed to be that. It is mm-hmm. it is when we recharge. And a, a really interesting thing is that in our REM stage, our brain is almost as active or if not as active as when we're awake because it's consolidating memory. So the brain is highly, highly active at that time. But the body is at rest and the brain is doing things that helps it restore itself. You know, I'd love to just share some like facts and statistics. Absolutely, please. That touch upon health and, and sleep or lack of. So, you know, the link between sleep and cancer Routinely sleeping less than six hours can increase your risk of cancer by 50%. That's just routinely less than six hours. That's a lot of people. Yeah. And after just one night of less than five hours of sleep, your natural killer cells, which are part of your immune system, they drop by 70%. So your immune system, you're very susceptible to catching everything. Um, And the WHO recently classified night shift work as a probable carcinogen. Oh, people who work in the night shift. And a lot of that has to do with um, the way you're just fighting. It's like you're swimming upstream with when melatonin is peaking versus yep. cortisol. And and this, I think, is also really important. I think these these facts, I think, are critical. So lack of sleep is a major predictor of all cause mortality. We're talking Ooh. about recharging our batteries, mm-hmm. right? 
So including cancer, Alzheimer's, heart disease, stroke, diabetes, depression, and Mm. suicide. So people who routinely get six or less hours of sleep per night are four to 500 more likely to face heart attacks. Adults 45 years or older who sleep fewer than six hours per night are 200% more likely to suffer a stroke. So if, if that's just the physical impact of not giving yourself enough sleep, and we're talking about how do you function in a healthy way throughout your life? How do you interact with the people in your family and people at work? And you're setting yourself up for a physical heart attack Mm -hmm. or a stroke. There's a mismatch there. Yeah. You know, big mismatch. Um, These last two, I think are really going to hit home on what you're talking about. Appetite, weight, and food consumption are regulated by sleep. So lack of sleep can make you eat three to 500 more calories a day due to the imbalance of the ghrelin and the leptin. So we have people who are struggling with weight loss. They're struggling with, you know, willpower around food, but they're not honoring their bodies and giving it the rest that it needs to regulate those hunger hormones. And this one is always mind blowing, but after being awake for 21 hours, 21 hours, that's almost a full day. You are as cognitively impaired as someone who is legally drunk. So when we deprive ourselves of sleep, we are impairing our brain function. So how do we show up in the world valuing ourselves, valuing other people when we are just sabotaging our physical health? The mental and the physical are so are so t- interconnected. Yeah, agree it's 100%. It's really hard to be thriving in life as whatever role you have in your family, at your work, in your peer group, at church, or wherever you serve, and to be physically not well. Yeah, it's, you know, I think about when I go back to when I was taking care of my mother, mm. I had, I was working on, I finished my degree at the same time. I was working a full-time job and taking care of her, her on home hospice. I don't remember that time period. And when I've talked to people about this, literally, I cannot even tell you what happened during those six months because oh, this is this is what we do in life. I talked about this in my first Bridge Your Gap podcast about I referenced the walking dead. That's what a lot of us are, are walking around just like zombies. Yes. I did that for a very long time. We put work above our health. Mm -hmm. We put work above, well, I should say mental health and physical health, but we've allowed ourselves to just rely on our subconscious mind, which is Mm -hmm. 95%. We're unaware. We become robotic. We live in this survival mode. And I see so many people just saying that this is okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. You should be thriving. That's my second book's called Thrive. Mm. We should be thriving in life. We should be doing things. And, you know, my big question for the listeners is, why is it so hard for you to want to take care of yourself? Mm -hmm. Why is it so hard to want to eat the right foods you know, get your proper exercise, set the right boundaries in your life where you realize you're the most important thing there is. And there was an analogy I wanted to talk to you about that I read the other day, and I'm kind of 50-50 on this. I mean, I get it, but the other thing is I don't kind of want to think of it this way, but <laughs> I read um, an article and they were Joe Dispenza. I love, mm-hmm. I love Joe Dispenza. He's a, a big influence, especially with Discovery X, but they were kind of talking about how our bodies are like machines. And I'm 50-50 on that because, you know, our mind, our thoughts, our emotions are all energy because what are emotions? Energy, emotion. Mm -hmm. But our bodies are physical. You know, should we treat our bodies like machines or how do you feel we should treat our bodies? It's an interesting analogy, isn't it? Yeah, I think the machine 
analogy works for people. I, I feel like my entire life in the holistic nutrition field, everyone compares our body to a car. Like if your body mm. was a car, you change the oil, oil and you give it the right gasoline mm-hmm. and you wash, you know, you detail it on the inside and you make sure it's shiny on the outside. Yep. But do you do that for yourself? Yeah. So in that sense, I feel like a, that comparison works for people to understand, oh, I love my car. Right. I will spend lots of money on my car that, you know, it's my status symbol and it's I drive this kind of car, but, but we don't do the same for ourselves. Right. Right. So in that context, yes. But when we're really talking about our body as a machine, oh my goodness, our body is so much beyond that. Yes. It's so oh, much great. more than that. And there are so many parts of our body, the microbiome, parts of the brain that we have not even truly figured out yet. They're yeah. still doing research and, and research is always evolving and, and changing. So I think to say that our body as a machine is simplifying and it's yeah. under stating the complexities of it because the energy component is unexplainable. How do you explain? I mean, you know, you've got quantum physics and quantum energy and healing. You've got prayer, you've got frequencies, you've got so many things that resonate with the body that a machine just, it's not going to be the same. Exactly. That's why I was so 50-50 because if you think about it, your mind is energy, Mm -hmm. your brain's physical, it's in your in your head, because you know, if a surgeon does surgery, he's not going to find thoughts and emotions. Right. You know, they're all everything's energy. Well, everything around us is energy. It's such powerful. It's actually one of the weeks in my discovery acts. I talk about energy as a whole. But on top of energy, I wanted to talk about mindfulness as well. I'm a big advocate of discovery acts. I do guided meditations. Mm-hmm. A lot of people struggle with the silence. I tell people if you can't do meditation, prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, do what feels right for you. But what are your thoughts about with sleep and being more grounded, being more balanced, like how you can get more of that, like on a daily basis? Mm. It, you mean in order to support sleep at support night? Support sleep at night. Yep. Yeah. I think that's important because if we're frantic all yeah. day yeah. and we're frazzled all day, and I'll be the first to admit there are many times I'm sending texts to people, people like, sorry, I'm a little scrambled today. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I've been running yeah. around all day. Yeah. So we're all like that. I think the first step is being aware that you are that way. Yeah. So recognizing I am running around like a chicken with my head cut off. Just you know, pause right there. And just to be able, because some people don't recognize that that's how they're living their lives. Right. Because that's their normal. So I think the first thing is just that awareness, right? Right. Awareness is always the first step to absolutely everything. Yes. So you have to be aware of it. And yes, during the day, you know, I would love if everyone could just, you know, take five minute breaks throughout their day and just do some deep breathing and go for a walk. And I'm a big advocate of that with, with sleep and circadian rhythm signaling because, you know, light is, is information. So when you're out in natural light, it's really telling your body and your brain and the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which sits behind, um, kind of like right behind your eyes, what time of day it is, where we are in our 24-hour clock. So that's information. So if people would just take time and go out and let sun get on their skin and just to breathe, that's unfortunately not realistic for everybody. If you're a surgeon and you're in surgery for 12 hours straight, you know, you're not taking these breaks 
to get some vitamin D on your skin, unfortunately. But I think that awareness that if you have a type of schedule that you create for yourself, then build that in. Just set a timer three times a day to just give yourself a few minutes and do something that centers you, that pulls you away from the thing that sucks you in, Mm -hmm. that maybe it's even just listening to music. It's just something that changes the, it puts you in a different lane, let's say. Yeah. But when it comes to sleep, there are actually three um, really cool techniques. And I'll, I'll go over them briefly. If you want to go yep. more into them, we can. But let's say you just don't have that kind of day. You're a mom, you're busy, you've got this and that, you're running around, and it's really hard for you to find that time during the day. Not all is lost. When you go to bed, when you're lying in bed, there are three really cool things that you can do to help with the stress and the sleep component. The first one, and some of your listeners might be familiar with this, is called Yoga Nidra. Are you familiar with Yoga Nidra? So Yoga Nidra is, and I'm not an expert in it, so I'm just going to briefly explain what it is, but it is basically like Shavasana when you're lying there and you're just absolutely still. Right. But it's a technique to fall asleep. It's a body scan. Mm. So you lay there in perfect stillness and you really like you start with your toes and your feet. And you're feeling your body relax and you're feeling the sensation and you work your, you work, you work your way up, you know, basically to your head. I think most people probably fall asleep at their knees, you know, by the time they get to the (laughs) knees. Okay. I'm out. But it's a, it's a, I mean, it's been around since like a thousand BC. The yoga nidra is a very ancient practice, but it helps you get into your body, feel the sensations of your body. So it is a mindfulness practice, awareness, awareness, and it's usually done in bed right? when you need to fall asleep. So that's one, one technique someone can try. The second thing that I really like that is kind of low hanging fruit is a uh, binaural beats. I don't know if you're familiar mm, with binaural yes. beats. So there are different frequencies. You've yes. got Delta, Gamma, Theta, Beta, Alpha, and the Delta, which is one to four Hertz is the um, frequency that gets you into a deep sleep. So I have a client right now who is dealing with a lot of issues and we've, we've worked on a lot of those and now we're trying to dial in the sleep component. And he's not, well, actually we worked on falling asleep, but he's having a hard time in the middle of the night. But what has helped him is just doing the binaural beats. So you can, I mean, you can find an app, you can find those kind of anywhere, but that's something that just also just facilitates getting into relaxation state. Agree. And then the third thing I really love, and I don't know if you heard about this, it's called the physiological sigh. It is a double inhale followed by a long exhale. Um, Dr. Andrew Huberman talks about this all the time. I love Huberman. Um, and it's something that we do when we're crying. It's that hyperventilating. Right. It's that. And what what it's physiologically doing is it's releasing excess carbon dioxide that's trapped in our lungs. So what it looks like, it's a deep inhale followed by like another inhale to get as much air and then a slow exhale. And what that does is it shifts the physiology of our body and it puts us into a parasympathetic state. That is what I do. I have done the box breathing. I've done the all the different like six, eight, you know, six, seven, eight and all these breathing. When I do the physiological side, when I do the double inhale, exhale before I go to bed for maybe three rounds. Like, I mean, I'm saying like I do it three times, right? I'm asleep. You're asleep. It is amazing. So if people have a hard time during the day building that in, which I think ultimately you want to get there, but if they're just lying in bed and they need something, I think any of those three would be really cool for them to experiment with. I mean, you can do all three, listen to binaural beats, breathe and do the yoga Yoga nidra. nidra. You might be out in a few minutes, but it does shift you into the body, into the breath um, I love frequencies 
and it just so kind of gets I. the body into another state. You know, it's when you're talking about this, one of the the biggest things I talk about in Discovery X as well, it's week five, is habits. Mm. I make a big distinction between negative bad habits, which are more the autopilot, more your subconscious. You know, there's some pauses with that, which, you know, blood flows through your body, your lungs can breathe in and air, your heart beats. Those are ones you don't want to disturb, right? But we form these routines and I call them routines because what is a habit? Repetitive. Mm -hmm. You do it over and over again. But I want to learn, teach people that let's learn to create practices, which are more positive habits still repetitive, Mm -hmm. but you're more aware of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So doing these three techniques, you're becoming more aware of how you can sleep better, how you can become more relaxed, how you can recharge. Because what do most people do before they go to bed? They they watch TV. Oh, yeah. We got to get that screen out. of, Or they're on their phones Mm -hmm. or they're on their laptops. And then they shut it off. And the funny thing is that a client said, I'm doing my journaling, but I still am asleep. And I'm like, well, are you watching TV? Are you? Oh, I didn't even think about that. So it's developing a new practice. And that's what I want people to understand is that you're building better habits, Mm -hmm. habits that you're more aware of so that you can become more grounded, so that you can learn to recognize that stress and negativity, but don't allow it to become embedded. And I think that's a big thing. There's one more thing else I wanted to talk about before we kind of move to the third Mm -hmm. area. And this is so important. Week two of Discovery X is um, the present moment. Mm. What do most people, so what a lot of people don't realize is 95% of our thoughts are either based from the past or worry, mm-hmm. stuff we're worrying about in the future. Mm-hmm. That's what most people are worried about. They're worried about, oh my God, tomorrow, what's going to happen tomorrow? Oh my God, I'm, tra- I'm dragging all this past baggage, you know, from, you know, trauma from mm-hmm. the past. Right. We don't realize that we're reliving it in our bodies over and over and over again. What have you noticed in working with clients and your experience? Like when we kind of relive and rehash all mm. of that past baggage and how is it affecting us? Oh, I mean, yeah. If you're just living in the past, you're living in the past. past and what exactly. I talk about, you know, we have issues in our tissues that gets embedded yeah. into our DNA. That gets kind of like genetically coded into who we are. It becomes our identity. Mm-hmm. And we start wearing those badges as our identity. And that's how we see ourselves then in the present mm-hmm. is this person who you were in the past. Yeah. So I think it's really powerful to, I think you have to acknowledge your past. You can't um, stuff it in a closet and right. shut the door. It'll never go away. It'll never go away. It's always going to be there. Like again, issues in your tissues. Mm-hmm. It, there's, they're there until they get released. Until, And I think it's also like an invitation. I think you need to invite that you know, out of the closet, out of the tissues, deal with it and then say goodbye to it and and live in your present for sure. Um, You know, that's one thing as, as we are both coaches that I absolutely love about coaching is that it's in the present moment. You know, who are you right now? What do you want in the moment? And then we do look towards the future, but it's not, uh, it's not worrying about the future. It's what do you want to create for the future? Who do you want to become in the future? What are these outcomes that you're looking for? And then when those happen, how will your life be different? Yeah. What do you, how do you see yourself? So it's very positive forward Mm -hmm. thinking, but you know, in the moment, gosh, I've worked with so many people in, in the realms of, 
you know, kind of as their educator and their consultant in nutrition, looking at what they've done in the past, their eating patterns. But it's like, you know, that you can change that. That is all changeable. Like I said, I believe in it every single circumstance that there is always some ray of hope that you can find. So I don't care how bad your habits have been in the past. I don't care what badge of trauma or disaster you you bring with you. You are who you are right now and you are clay that can just be molded mm-hmm. and formed and changed and you can take that person into the future. But it's a big thing when you're dealing with people with exercise patterns, eating yeah. patterns, and then, and again, and sleep, they identify themselves. And you probably have had these conversations, Chris. Well, I've always been a bad sleeper. I am. a ba- yeah. they, they literally, that is their identity. identity. Mm-hmm. And I have people come to me. So I just don't sleep well. I never have. I never will. It's just who I am. And so you have to fix that. As you know, right. with mindset, mindset. Mm-hmm. you have to work around that language because if they continue to identify themselves that way, then that is who they will become. Exactly. So a lot of it is that self-talk, which I know you work a lot with, and that mindset. And yeah, it is really everything, the way you perceive things. And that's why I really don't like talking about stress management. Right. I like to use the language. You know, we say... I'm so stressed about this. I'm so stressed about this. This is stressing me. You know, oh my gosh, my daughter's swim lessons nights at six. I'm not going to make it. I'm so stressed. It's like, wait a second. Is that a stress? (laughs) Is that a real stressor? Or is that maybe a challenge or an obstacle Mm -hmm. that you have to navigate your logistics around? Like I, you know, I think a lot of things that we call stress and stressors are really obstacles. Yes. They don't need to, they're not to say that there isn't stress when you're caring for your mom and hospice, that is a, that is stress. That is a, there is a burden on you with that. And you still in that moment have the opportunity to shift how you're going to perceive it and say like, I have to do this. It's, you know, I get to do this for my mom. Mm -hmm. I get to be here. I get to be the person who is with her and caring for her. So it's that language that we use. And I think that carries across all spectrums, like all my four pillars of health, but sleep is a big one. You need to um, be open to stop okay. saying I'm so stressed about my sleep. Well, yeah. okay. It's not going to go away if that's how you talk about it. Exactly. Because think about the words. So this is what I teach in Discovery X is the words that you speak. And mm-hmm. I talked about this in my podcast for Bridge the Gap is we say these words, they lead to your thoughts. Your thoughts lead to your emotions. You can't have an emotion without a thought, Right. You can't have a positive emotion from a negative thought. Right. So you can speak all the positive words that you want and be like, oh, you know, and the one thing I want to touch upon is I've, I've had this happen lately. Well, I'll I'll, get, I'll catch up on my sleep this weekend. Or, you know, next week I'm going to start my program and I'm oh, going to do it. Or New Year's yes. resolutions, January 1st. Yep. I'm, I'm going to no. sabotage myself until then. Until then, exactly. <laughs> Today is all you have. You know, this is the point that we want to make is you can only create in the present moment. What we're creating today is what's creating our future reality. One of the things that I talk to clients with is when you wake up in the morning, of course, express gratitude, three things that you're grateful for, set the tone for a positive day, but also ask yourself, what am I going to create today? Mm -hmm. And really think about what you can do. So I kind of want to tie this in with the self-worth aspect because this is know your worth. You know, I hear it all the time. Oh, I'm so stressed out. It's like a badge of honor. You talked about badge of honor. Um, I'm exhausted. I'm burned out. 
well, you've allowed yourself to get that way. That's a choice that you've made. And it's a decision that's been made based on your words, thoughts, and emotions. And they all get packaged together. So knowing your worth, you get the proper sleep. But it's setting up and working with somebody, like someone like Heather, who's amazing, learning and understanding the patterns. Like we do this in journaling. We understand your patterns so that we can figure out where those blockages are, where those challenges are so that you can move forward. But don't think that you can do it by yourself because you can't. And I'm making an advocate for coaches right now. So all the coaches <laughs> out there. But you know, this is going to lead us into this last part, um, which is that stop snoozing through life. Yeah. Because the other thing that I've been hearing from clients is, drives me crazy. I'm going to say it. It drives me crazy. <laughs> oh, I hit my snooze button. Mm-hmm. I, I just need five more mm-hmm. minutes of sleep. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't way. work that way. So I wanted to really kind of touch upon this. Um, and that's why I kind of call it stop snoozing through life. Mm-hmm. But how do you get, you know, I'm going to talk about the timers too, because we talked about this before, mm-hmm. you know, going to bed and waking up at certain times, you know, let's really talk about that instead of having to hit that snooze button mm-hmm. and thinking, because what happens when you do that? You're delaying your day. You're delaying your life. And I really want that to sink in with people. What are you really delaying in your life when you hit that snooze button? Yeah, why aren't you excited to get up up. when the alarm goes off? If you're not excited to sit up when the alarm goes off the first time, then what is it in your day that needs to be removed, reexamined, and Mm reevaluated because there's a dread Mm -hmm. and there's a disconnect to your purpose and why you're waking up? Absolutely. So let's kind of talk about the timers. Sure. Um, Because... You and I were talking about this. We um, have a Wednesday morning group walk, and uh, you said something about timers, and I literally, again, my mouth was open wide. <laughs> Let's kind of talk about that, because yeah. I'm using that in Discovery X, by the way. So cool. there's the Heather Walcott portion of Discovery X in uh, <laughs> week uh, two. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So <clears throat> the context that we were talking about it in is... so because we're not going to go into my webinar, which I am going to offer your mm-hmm. your audience to, to have Absolutely. access to. So I go into like circadian rhythm and circadian clock and what that is, the 24-hour clock, pretty in-depthly in that. <clears throat> but what people don't realize, and it's really cool when you were talking in the context of the snooze button, when we wake up in the morning. So one of my tips for optimizing your sleep is to wake up at the same time every day. Mm-hmm. And I know, yes, yeah, seven days a week. So I'm sorry, that's your weekend too. <laughs> it's a habit. It's a routine. It's how you live your life. How you live your days is how you live your life. So wake up at the same time every day. The importance of that is because when you first wake up, it's like setting a timer. So we have about a 14 hour window from when we first wake up to when melatonin is going to start kicking in. So we have cortisol, which is our our awakening hormone. We want it to be we want to have a strong cortisol awakening response in the morning. That's a healthy cortisol. We hear cortisol as being you know bad and associated with stress. And yes, it is a stress hormone, but in the morning it needs to be high. So when you first wake up in the morning, think about, and you could even do this on a timer on your phone, but it's like, go. And you have about 14 hours before melatonin is going to start creeping in and increasing as, as cortisol decreases. And what's important about the relationship between cortisol and melatonin is that they are never parallel. They are mm-hmm. counter-regulatory hormones. So as one is going up, the other one is going down. They never parallel each other. So if you think about if you're 
waking up at the same time every day and you've got about a 14 hour window, it doesn't mean you have to go to bed in 14 hours. Melatonin is a hormone that signals sleep. Right. So it starts creeping up. Your melatonin actually peaks probably around midnight, one o'clock, depending on what time you fall asleep. But it just starts sneaking into the picture and starts creeping in, which then gives you a couple hours to then prepare for bed and ch- and, and wind down and right. or I guess wind down, unwind into your evening routine. So if you're doing that on a consistent basis, waking up at the same time, then you're creating a really healthy sleep cycle for mm-hmm. yourself. And it should take some of the pressure off of someone who struggles with sleep because they're starting to create like a regulatory system. Right. right? But when you're waking up at six, one morning and then seven 30, the next morning, and then one day you have to get up, but you got up at five and you just stayed up and then, Oh, it's the weekend. I'm going to sleep until eight 30. You're just messing that timer up every time. Now you're not messing up melatonin being produced. So you're not messing up cortisol. Those are going to happen regardless. Right. You're messing up, and I don't want to use the word messing up, but you're interrupting or disrupting that nice cycle that you can have if you stay consistent. And then sleep and going to bed won't be as stressful and worrisome because your body has just got into that routine. Yeah. So I think when people struggle with sleep and then they have stressful days and then they're not sleeping well and it's a mess, it's because they're kind of all over the place in the morning. Zigzagging. And I'm a big, you know, I love Jocko, but, you know, win the morning, win the day. If you can win that morning, wake up and just be really committed to sleeping or getting up at that same time, um, it will really start fall into place. It is a bit of a domino in that effect because you're creating a a routine and and it's a signal. Yeah. And I just think overall that's important. Like I said, how you live your days is how you live your life. So if you're being really consistent in those habits, then it's just going to start trickling into other things. Then you have a morning routine and you can decide what the appropriate time is. Maybe you need to wake up a little earlier so you can meditate or journal in the morning. Maybe you need to wake up a little bit later. One thing that does sound a little confusing with that, because we always hear we need seven, eight hours of sleep. Well, what if I go to bed at midnight? Shouldn't I then wake up at eight so I get my eight hours of sleep? And in theory, you'd think, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, but not so much because it's that timer. We really want to stick to that consistent wake up time and like I said, in the beginning of this, you know, if you have one night of not great sleep or a little shortened sleep, it happened, move on. Mm-hmm. There's no bank account. You can't right. pull deposits, you know, and then just recalibrate the next day right. and work on getting to bed earlier. But if you set that timer in your mind in the morning, you are more likely to go to bed at the same time and set yourself up for success. I love that because um, I actually stole that for Discovery X, by the way. It's okay. Because I think it's so vital because what do people stress out about? Oh my God, I got to get seven, eight hours sleep. And then, you know, like you said, they go to bed nine o'clock, then they'll go to bed at 10 o'clock and they're still. So that was, I think, probably one of the most profound things that mm-hmm. I learned from you is about these timers, mm-hmm. which is so, 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 so important. But let's take a, I'm going to take a few moments. I want you to talk about your seminar, your webinar. Oh, okay. And why everybody needs to go to this <laughs> webinar. Seriously, um, especially, I'm not giving anything away, but when you learn about sunglasses and- I know. I, I blew and my coffee. mind. And coffee. And coffee and magnesium. Magnesium and CBD. Um, CBD. And I bet you a lot of people perked up when they just heard those three letters. Yeah. CBD. They're like, oh. So uh, let's talk about your webinar, about how wonderful it is. Oh, <laughs> well, it is. it's called Sleep Optimization, Circadian Rhythm, and Chronotypes. It's about an hour long. And I actually did partner with a medical doctor out of Texas um, to do this. He invited me actually on his platform. He's got a YouTube channel. And so we had a really neat audience for this. 
And what I really go through is the circadian clock and circadian rhythm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have tips on, you know, I kind of like four tips on how to optimize your sleep. They are, they revolve around the circadian rhythm and circadian clock, you know, getting up at the same time and getting light in your eyes and light during the day and then light at night. A lot of is very focused on light Mm because light is information that really does tell us when these hormones need to be on and when they need to be off and when they need to peak. So it really supports those hormones. So I go into that in pretty, I'd say pretty good depth. And then I have a little bit of my rapid fire section Mm -hmm. and I kind of hit some of the hot topics, napping, sunglasses, um, CBD, coffee or or caffeine, magnesium and other supplements. I think I focus mostly on magnesium, um, sleep meds and alcohol. The light bulbs. (laughs) And well, then I get into that later is the kind of light bulbs and the lights that you're using and um, high solar angle versus low solar angle. And those are terms that people are like, I don't know what that means. And I I do describe that in there. But when just, you know, it's kind of the angle of the sun. We have a sunrise where the the solar angle is low. It's on the horizon. We have a high solar angle, which would be, you know, our noontime where there's very little shadow. And then you get into low solar angle on the other side of that is sunsets. Mm-hmm. And those three times of the day are significant to our circadian signaling and cortisol response and then how melatonin is going to come in in the evening. And then at the very end, I get into this really fun topic on chronotypes. And I did not come up with this. I'm not the genius behind this. This is Dr. Michael Bruce's work. And he is a board certified psychiatrist and known as the sleep doctor. He's all over the place. You can find him anywhere. He's fabulous. Really interesting guy. And he has created four chronotypes that kind of describe a little bit of your personality and also your circadian clock. So we have yeah. some people who are early and some people are late and I don't want to give too much away. Yes. But then we also have the insomniacs. And instead of relating everyone to a bird, which is you always hear the early bird and the night owl or the mm-hmm. morning lark, or I don't know. We're not birds. We're mammals. Yes. So he found mammals that would maybe re- we could relate to a little bit better. Yes in their hunter gathering behaviors and their sleep behaviors. So it's kind of a fun topic. And then there's a link to a quiz you can take to find out what your chronotype is and learn a little bit more because, you know, Chris kind of going back to, what we talked about earlier people, there are people who are the late night people yeah. and they kind of get shamed because they don't go to bed early and they right. want to sleep in and talking about your worth. That is not a virtue signal right. to get up early and get up early. I right. mean, we've kind of created our society to think that, right. You have to honor who you are and you're you're going to get better sleep and more. You're going to be a better person for the world if you are aware of your chronotype, aware of what your your sweet sleep spots are. So that's important to acknowledge, too. There are people who just thrive better at night and they are your musicians, your artists, your entertainers. Exactly. I mean, that's and and look, that's the the career path that just worked with them because that aligns with more of who they are. So the chronotypes okay. are really cool. It is cool. Um, and so, yeah, I did that back in, gosh, I did it a couple of times. You heard it in March. I also yeah. did it back in February and I'm just going to offer that free to anyone of your listeners. So we can circle back on how they can get that, but can they go to your website? Can they get it from your website? It's not yet on my website. Okay. My hormone webinar is on my website. I need to get the sleep one up there. It's a little harder because it was a Zoom with a password and it's a little trickier, but they can contact me. Okay, good. And if my information will be available or we can give that at yeah, the end. Yeah, give it out now. Okay, so you could email me or if you do go to my website, it's the, both are easy. Just find me. So I'm heatherwalcott.com. And Walcott is W-O-L-C-O-T-T. So heatherwalcott.com. 
And on there has my contact information. You can also just shoot me an email, heather at heatherwalcott.com. I'm on Instagram. I'm Heather Johnson Walcott. I have a lot of content on Instagram and on Facebook. So you can, there's lots of ways. I'm not too hard to find, but if you do reach out to me and you, you know, and you did listen to this podcast and um, I'm more than happy just to send you that webinar for free. So, and that would be great. And obviously people can reach out through my website as well and I can direct them, but is there anything else you wanted to add? Oh gosh, this went by so fast. I mean, fast. an hour. I mean, we just don't have enough time. It's, not it's like time. I'm sitting here and thinking, did we get everything? Like, do we? I don't know. Did um, we? Um, I think. I mean, I think we covered a lot. I'm telling you, it's just an hour isn't enough time. You might um, need to make your podcast a little longer. You might start being like a Joe Rogan to come and around. go like three. Like we got three hours. What all can we do? You have no, to come back I for think, a part two. Yes, part two. Ooh, I'd love to come back for part. Yeah. Two. So, um, everyone, I know you're gonna. I know you loved Heather as much as I do. Her wisdom. Oh her expertise, and these techniques that she shared. Start using these techniques. Reach out to her. Attend her webinar. You will not go away disappointed. Literally, you will just walk away just kind of in in just all of how knowledgeable she is. But she's a fantastic presenter as well. Probably one of the best I've seen. Oh, and I mean, I mean, literally, when I go to a webinar, I want to walk away. And I, I literally, I took like two pages of notes and I couldn't write fast enough. Oh. So thank you very much, Heather. Oh, no, my pleasure. And I appreciate it. I had just met you and you just jumped right onto that and yeah. not even knowing if I was a flake or if I was legit <laughs> or what, you're like, I'm going to attend it. So I, I just, I value you and I appreciate you. And thank I thank you. you for this opportunity. I, I love how much you value this part of health yeah. because it's so, important. it's so important. And I know you do a lot, you know, with leadership and business and all aspects of um, where we find our worth mm-hmm. and our self-value. And I know your program is dedicated to that. Yes. But I love the fact that you saw the importance of sleep. Yeah. Like I said, there are four pillars of health, sleep, stress, movement, and nutrition. I do kind of feel like sleep holds maybe is a little bit of a bigger pillar. Yeah, it kind I agree. of It's your front line. But even if you're sleeping well, it doesn't mean you're off the hook with what you're eating Agreed. and how if you're not moving. It's all so connected. It is all connected. And that's really what I love to address. I love to address how all of them are super important and how they are all connected. But sleep is just, you know, there's not one studied species on the planet that does not sleep. Everything sleeps. So it's true. It's, if you think about it, yeah, yeah. you're right. And like I said, we can go days without food. We can go, you know, bed rest. You know, you can lay there and not move around a lot. But if you don't sleep, you are. You shut down. You shut down. Yeah. I mean, you, it, you can, you will. I can relate to that personally. <laughs> yeah. It's really I know that was so like, thank you for the time. And this oh, has been a ton welcome. of fun. So we'll definitely do a part two. Because um, I know everybody was intrigued by today. So for July podcast, I'm going to have two co-hosts, which Heather knows, uh, Natasha Hazlitt and Michelle Perez. We're going to talk about developing women leaders and articulating the importance of value. We're going to talk about life balance, letting your voice be heard, being an effective communicator, and then really overcoming those limiting beliefs. So I want to thank everyone for listening, and please encourage others to listen as well. You know, these podcasts, they're well thought out. I'm very much, Heather and I just took a coaching course together and I came out as a controller and a stickler. <laughs> and I know everybody is, what were you, high achiever? I was a hyperachiever. Hyperachiever, <laughs> um, which is kind of fits our personalities in a very positive way. But because um, I like have my little timer out and I'm like, you know, 20 minutes here. No, it's good. You need that. Yeah, you, you need, need to have the That's control. That's a strength. That's a strength. It doesn't That's have to be right. a saboteur. Yeah. It, can be a strength. Uh, saboteur, I love it. Inside <laughs> joke, and I know Michelle will understand that. Um, so every month, we're going to bring you insightful, impactful topics that's going to change your life. And I hope today 
really listen to this again. Listen to this podcast over and over to really capture everything that was said today. So I want to thank everyone for listening. This is Coach Chris signing off.